Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. And good morning, it's John Paul McNamara in for Patricia Messenger right through until one with Thursday's Cork Today. Our lines are open, Bernie takes your comments, 1850-333-103 or indeed you can text WhatsApp 0862-103-103. You can email jp at c103.ie or tweet us this morning at c103cork. And ahead on this morning's show, and this is something that's in a lot of the papers this morning, discussing the... Taoiseach, what he's coming up with anyhow, is saying that any money raised from the carbon tax could be used to fund a rise in child benefit and indeed tax credits. Now, nothing will happen this year, but discussing that on the programme this morning on how one option is how all of us, all of us households could receive a carbon check in the post if you monitor your carbon footprints. Discussing that this morning and your views are welcome on that. Also concerns over the introduction of an opt-out system for organ donation. Now currently here in Ireland we have an opt-in system and you will be aware of the campaigns that have been in place for many years and the good work that is done by various organisations to highlight the need for organ donation and people carrying organ donation cards. And now this could see a change though with how all this works because the opt-in system in place may be changed to an opt-out system. But many feel that this will add to confusion and it could in fact reduce the number of organ donors as the call to action of getting a donor card, that will be gone. So you could have a situation whereby people that were organ donors and were campaigning for organ donors are no longer then carrying around an organ donation card and are you in a situation that the discussion around organ donation decreases across the country and we're not aware as we are at the moment? Discussing that with the Irish Kidney Association shortly who are raising their concerns about this new opt-out system. I'd like to hear your views as well. Maybe you're tuned to us and you have a successful operation whereby you've got a liver or, or kidney transplant or whatever it is or maybe you were on the transplant list and waiting and nothing worse than what you would feel at the moment is your life on hold until you find the relevant donor to give you your new kidney or your new liver or whatever that could be. So discussing that this morning would like to hear your views on that though because I think those who are going through it will know firsthand and will want the answers firsthand of what will happen or if this system the opt-out system is the right way to go or indeed the wrong way to go for this country. And also buses. How many of you use public transport on a daily basis and are you just sick and tired of buses turning up late? Well, one Cork student has launched a campaign for 
everyone who does use public transport to contact him and let him know about what bus route you get that's constantly turning up late. Nothing worse than when you're waiting for a bus and the bus was supposed to come, for example, at 10.15 and it's 10.30, no bus. It's then 10.45, no bus. And then at 11 o'clock, after 45 minutes of waiting, and what happens? Two buses come. And then you have a situation whereby you have people get onto one bus and people come off another bus and you'll always have a situation whereby one bus is full and another bus is half full. Uh, so what can be done to improve the frequency of bus transport, not only in our cities, but also across the county as well, discussing that this morning. And is the smartphone harming Ireland's famous hospitality and culture? We'll discuss with Senator Tim Lumbert, who's raising the issue because he feels it is. We have a lot of tourists who come to this country to experience our hospitality and our culture and certain bars that are made to welcome tourists from the UK or America who expect that particular Irish culture and the trash in the bar and the storytelling in the bar that would have been something of old in Ireland. But now when they come in, they see people looking down on smartphones. And is it a situation that you have more people looking at their phones rather than engaging in the art of conversation? Are we losing that particular art here that we have in this country and that we are known for across the world? Also, though, outside of that, interesting to know over Christmas how you get on at home because I have a few texts coming in here since I mentioned this earlier uh, with Simon on The Breakfast Show people realising over Christmas that their partner or their children were simply on their phones more and more than speaking with their parents or their siblings or their partner anyhow how do you get on over Christmas do you think the smartphone is taking over and is it a bad thing having all these various social media platforms also our Gardafile Later in the programme, looking at crimes in the Cork area and indeed a pet advice with Jane. Jane will be joining us, Jane Pickett that is, of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket. Any pet questions for Jane over the last season and the last few weeks, get them into us now. She'll be joining us after 12.30. So lines are open. Bernie takes your calls, 1850-333-103. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 or indeed tweet at C103 Cork. A lot of calls and comments into the show yesterday, a lot of emails as well on road driving and what people noticed over the Christmas New Year's period when they were on the roads, people saying the state of our driving is just getting so bad. Where do we go from here? What needs to be done to improve driver behaviour on Cork roads? A lot of emails in on that. We'll get to those as well between now and one. But lines are open, 1850-333-103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And a lot of reports in this morning's papers reading this in the Irish edition of the Times and this is to do with carbon tax and our carbon footprint and of course a lot of people are unhappy that we haven't met our carbon targets for this year and a lot of people saying we won't meet them either for 2020 so with that the government have been looking at ways of increasing carbon taxes didn't do so though in the last budget but they are looking now at various ways on how to deal with this situation and it looks like that the taxpayer is set for a windfall from higher carbon taxes because money raised from higher carbon taxes will be returned, they say, anyhow, to taxpayers under one of two schemes being examined by the government. This is Niamh Lyons writing this morning in the Irish edition of The Times about this. She says that Leif Racker is saying himself that while there would be no increase in the levy this year, he is going to seek cross-party support and agreement by the end of February on a scheme that would pay a dividend 
dividend to taxpayers and by this you would see returning extra revenue the government aims to motivate consumers which is us to cut our carbon footprint so the tax that will be on fossil fuels such as oil or petrol or diesel or what else gas uh, coal, peat, any of those uh, that will be increased now when it will be increased I presume it will be over the end of this year but the revenue that could be paid back will go to the public at the end of each year so while we're paying more you're going to get something back in return and the Taoiseach said that this will be either done and considered by the government this will be done by either a direct payment or indeed increases in tax credits or welfare. Uh, one of the things mentioned was actually increasing child benefit. That was something that was mentioned. Here is on T-shirt Leif Riker speaking about this and indeed on giving money back to households on this idea. You can do it through the tax and welfare system, which is the other, other way of doing it. You know, an increase in child benefit, for example, funded uh, by the carbon tax and increases in tax credits uh, and welfare. So we haven't decided which model to go for. Um, I'd like to get an all-party consensus around it, so what I propose to do is develop a proposal uh, in the first two months of the new year and put that uh, out to the other parties to see if they're willing to be uh, willing to be supportive of it. So would you welcome that, what Leo Varadkar is saying there regarding the way they want to work with these carbon taxes, increasing uh, the likes of diesel the likes of coal and petrol, but then you will receive a credit back at the end of the year. Your views are welcome on that. 1850-333-103. Bernie takes your comments this morning or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Something else making news this morning and it goes from one extreme to the other. This is how the government is going to seek hundreds of millions of euro in special aid from Brussels if the UK crashes out of the EU without a deal. This would be a no Brexit deal, of course. And it seems the government here have alerted the EU Commission that it will be lobbying for an emergency aid to cope with the fallout to Irish trade, particularly when it comes to the beef, dairy and fishing sectors. Because if Westminster... Uh, well, I don't really know what they're doing over there at the moment, but if they uh, go ahead with deadlock and fears are growing that with just under 12 weeks to go and they still haven't agreed a deal if they do crash out of the EU that these sectors will be affected here in Ireland and that's why the government are appealing now to the EU for aid in particular to do with beef, dairy and the fishing sector and something else when I'm speaking about the government's what about this? People last year were not happy when Leo Varadkar decided to set up a communications department basically to promote the work of the Taoiseach and what he is doing but guess how much it's spent over the last number of years. Well, this is in the Irish Sun this morning. The Department of Taoiseach spends over 1.3 million euros on advertising and marketing in the last year. That's more than 126 times the amount spent in 2016. Huge amounts of money. When you consider the fact that we're here looking for new roadways in the Cork area, we have a housing crisis our health service is openly saying that they need more money and that they need more funding and yet 1.3 million euros spent on advertising and marketing last year by his communications department. There's been various campaigns that they've been spending it on. Fina Foyler claiming that it's filled with hype and buzzwords. That's what they say about the actual communications department from Antichok, even though they, in a way, are probably up the government, but that's what they are saying anyhow. And also, other money spent within this was spent on the Rugby World Cup bit, or failed bit, 
a further Rugby World Cup in 2013. Over 30,000 euros was spent on that. And last year's seven-figure sum is more than 18 times the 71,000 the department spent promoting government campaigns in 2017. So it's a big increase, not only from 2016, but also from last or from 2017. And that's just 1.3 million euros last year spent on that huge amount of money. And if you break down all the various places it goes to, Imagine breaking that down and sending that money again to housing, to roads, to our health service. What a difference that would make rather than trying to make a department look good uh, than what is happening in the country at the moment and what's happening on the ground at the moment in this country. Uh, 1850-333-103, your lines are open. Or you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103 on your thoughts regarding Leo Varadkar's, as they say in a lot of the tabloids this morning, spin department. And speaking of that and another side of the coin and another side of our society that people think everything is on the up, it's not really because a lot of people are still finding it hard, they're still struggling. And because of this, penny dinners are asking any households who have or are still full of chocolates or biscuits or have generally a lot of food left after the Christmas period that now they decided they're going to do the health kick. They don't want to eat all this food and they're going to donate it to charity while petty dinners are asking people to consider them. If you have a lot of chocolates or biscuits in your household and you are getting rid of them or you want to find a way to get rid of them because you're on your health kick, uh, petty dinners are looking and would be delighted if people could come along and give donations to them because they're basically going to pass on those particular donations uh, to people who are in need and a lot of people unfortunately who didn't get chocolates or other various items during the Christmas and New Year's period. Anyhow, our lines are open for your comments this morning. Do you agree with the new carbon tax or indeed are you against the new carbon tax regime that the government are thinking of at the moment increasing petrol, diesel and indeed then at the end of the year you could be receiving a carbon check in the post but also the money from carbon tax could be used to increase welfare payments and indeed uh, tax credits. So your view on that is welcome. Call Bernie 1850 or you can text on WhatsApp 86 We're discussing that new opt-out system for organ donation next. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Proposals to introduce an opt-out system for organ donation will be brought before Cabinet in the next month. Now, some welcome the move while others have concerns. Colin White is National Projects Manager at the Irish Kidney Association and joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Colin. Good morning, how are you? Happy I'm New fine Year. and thanks for joining us and Happy New Year to you. Now, I mentioned there about this opt-out and the move that some people welcome but some have concerns. Uh, you, your group, Irish Kidney Association, have concerns. Just align what they are, first of all. Well, I think ra- rather than kind of having a concern about it, it's more we view it as um, a missed opportunity on the government's behalf. Um, currently, what we have is what's referred to as an opt-in system. So um, people are like the next of kin of a potential organ donor are asked for consent for um, organ donation. If they say yes, it happens. If they say no, it does not happen. Under an opt-out system uh, that the government is proposing, it's called soft opt-out with family consent, um, people will have the opportunity to opt-out. So a central database, a register really is, is, is planned, an online register would be set up where people could say, I'd rather not be an organ donor. And in the case of them being a potential organ donor, the register would be checked. Um, it would be seen they've said no and nothing further would happen. 
But if they had not said no, the family would then be approached and they would still be asked uh, for consent for organ donation. If they said yes, it would happen. If they would say no, it does not happen. So at the bones of it, um, the reality is that soft opt-out with family consent really is not going to have a huge impact on um, practice. But where we see the missed opportunity is that um, currently we rely on the organ donor card as a prompt for family conversation uh, and then it's hoped that people will remember that the conversation has been had. If the government extended their opt-out register to be an opt-in and opt-out register, so a yes-no register, um, you then have a central database where you've got a nice clear call to action to the public, nice positive call to action that rather than would you like to get an organ donor card, it's would you like to sign up to a central database that can then be consulted by the hospital authorities. And if you have said yes to organ donation, it becomes quite a straightforward approach then from the hospital that... Um, they can, like if, if, if I make my own example, my wife would be asked, um, would you like us to carry out your husband's wishes? He uh, signed up to the organ donor registry uh, and said, yes, here's, uh, on such and such a date or whatever, which is a very different approach to having to walk into the room and um, not know whether the family have had the conversation. Um, so that's really where we're seeing kind of the, the missed opportunity of uh, an opt-out register that put an opt-in and you get a nice, clean, useful call to action where the public can engage. The register can very easily link with social media, with texting, with uh, email that uh, a person can sign up and then they can share their wishes with family. We have it with a, a digital organ donor card app that the IKA has established that you download it onto your phone and you share your wishes with family because the government have recognised in their soft opt-out with family consent the important role that family play in the process. And um, so the key really is family conversation. And if you roll out an opt-out policy, uh, so everybody essentially has been said, has been told, you will be considered an organ donor unless you do something about it. Well, then your incentive to have the family conversation is somewhat reduced. You're not being given an opportunity. You're not given a clear call to action to talk to your family about it. And we'll be but, honest here, a lot of families, and you probably know more than others, not everybody is going to have that conversation in a house unless in a situation whereby maybe they're aware someone is going to pass away in a certain time frame. But if it's an accident or something sudden, and if this opt-out system is in place and you have a doctor or whoever is asking the family, do you wish now for the organs to be donated, they may instantly, because of the confusion around this and because their heart, their loved one has died, they might just say no. And they might not be too sure what they're saying no to or yes to, but the obvious answer for them it might be no. It, it does, uh, what you're saying makes sense about the call to action. Without that and without the discussion of getting a card and speaking about organ donation, could it lead to a negative effect where you could have less people then willing to donate organs because it will go back to the default of still the doctor has to ask the family, do you wish to donate these organs? Well, there there have been cases uh, around the world. I think Brazil uh, found that they had a bit of a negative kickback to the introduction of, of opt-out. And it's very unfortunate that kind of in the current political atmosphere across the globe, 
there's kind of this kickback against kind of government, against regulation, against being told uh, what's going to happen to you or whatever. And I'd hate to see uh, organ donation kind of being made a political football. Um, because at the end of the day, in 2018, uh, the, the, the kind of the, the latest figures that HSE produced, there were 80 families who had uh, the, the courage to say yes to organ donation. And they transformed the lives of many individuals. And those transformed lives are then going to touch onto the lives of many other people. And I think that's where we need to keep the focus on, that sort of opt-out, like a lot of people kind of come into the argument on opt-out and they say, well, why would you be against organ donation? So surely opt-out is the way to go. It's not a case of being against organ donation. It's trying to maximize the potential that we have. And that kind of brings up another interesting kind of deficit within the system at the moment that um, we do not have an annual organ donor uh, audit in all of the intensive care units because the public may not be aware that to be a potential organ donor, you've got to be in an intensive care unit on a life support machine when you're declared brainstem dead. So that immediately narrows down the pool of potential organ donors. So in terms of the public impact there, we're trying to reduce the family refusal rate. So we're trying to get as many families of potential donors to say yes. And that's where you're going to have the imp impact from the public side. So the way you're going to do that is by encouraging family conversation. From the hospital side, we need a measure, we need an audit of the number of potential donors and how many of these donors were actually realised so as we can measure and see how we're doing, is there a particular population strand that is saying no to organ donation? For example, in the UK, they're very aware that their black and ethnic minority groups uh, would have quite low rates of signing up to their yes-no register. And as a consequence, they can target some of their uh, media campaigns to this group to, to try and kind of work on an area of deficit that they have. And uh, so that's what we're kind of more interested in is, is where the real change can be made and also to measure are we being as successful as we can be with the resources that we have. Like okay. 2017, there were 99 donors. 2018, there were 80 donors. Um, so headline figure shocked uh, drop of 20%. But in reality, you're not comparing apples with apples maybe there were there were fewer potential donors in 2018 so that information needs to be brought forward so as we can have a more informed uh, plan as to how best to move forward in relation to organ donation. Well, Jane's making a good point here on text. Uh, she feels that with the opt-out system, would it not then encourage people to have the talk with their families? But outside of that, if someone does pass away, that everybody is an organ donor. So then there should be less people in Ireland on the waiting list because everybody's a donor. If they ask the family, the family say yes, then automatically that person's giving their organs to a certain person instead of them signing up for an organ donation card. Do you think it could actually reduce the waiting list and, and have more lives having the opt-out system? Or, or do you still feel that that, that, that that won't work in the way or won't go as easy as people think it would be? I'm, I'm not sure how an opt-out register is going to encourage conversation because an opt-out register opens the door for those who want to say no to organ donation to say no to organ donation, and that's fine. But it doesn't capture everybody in the same way as 
the um, like what we are proposing, a yes and no register, it's not going to catch everybody, but you're going to grab more of the population rather than just the no's and then still having to approach the families. You're going to grab the yeses and the no's. So your approach to a certain percentage of the families is going to be a lot more informed. But I, I just I don't see where with opt out, where it's going to encourage a family conversation to say yes to organ donation. Because, well, what the government are asking me to, if I want to be proactive in this, is to be proactive to sign out. Otherwise, I don't have to do anything. And what about Jane's other points on the fact that it could reduce waiting lists because effectively everybody then is an organ donor if this comes in? If the families consent. And if the families, if the families do consent, if it's the case that something does happen, unfortunately, with a person and doctors ask the families, would you like the organs to be donated? They have a brief conversation. They go, yes. It doesn't speed up the process for those on the waiting list. No, because it's exactly the same in the current system. The current system, every potential donor family is approached. And if the potential donor family uh, says yes, uh, it happens. If they say no, it doesn't happen. Even if they're so, carrying an organ donation card or not, they, they still get asked. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So there's a lot of education. A lot of education, though, needs to be uh, brought in around this because there's a lot of confusion this morning on calls and texts about this. And obviously, people who have been through it will know firsthand, but those who haven't will not know how this works. And if this does go ahead, how does it change the likes of the organ donation card operation? I mean, how will that work if they bring this to Cabinet and they decide they want to go ahead with this? Well, theoretically, you could say it it then makes the organ donor card defunct because... Um, everybody is is, is mm. presumed uh, an organ donor, but um, it's it's look at the end of the day, the government have recognised the importance of family consent because their policy is soft opt out with family consent. So they've recognised the cornerstone of organ donation is family consent, which is going to be massively higher if you have the family conversation in advance. Of it, so the donor card. The purpose of an organ donor card is to prompt that conversation. It's it's not a legal document. It's there to prompt a conversation. I was speaking to somebody earlier this morning. He said he's never had an organ donor card, but his wife knows his wishes. That's fine. That's yeah. the job done. But then, it's, without the organ donation card, the conversation isn't happening. So that's where then, with the opt out system, people aren't having the conversation. And when you're asked, then you know they, that, they're that, going. That, I don't know what his wishes were. Yeah, that would be the concern yeah. that uh, the, the the incentive for the conversation would be reduced. So if the government, <clears throat> they've got a good idea, a register, but if they just step it one step forward and make it a yes and a no register, there's no negative outcome on that. There's only positive outcome on that because you get a clear call to action and we're getting these calls day after day. I'd like an organ donor card, but how do I sign up after I get my donor card? And we say, well, we don't have a register. And people are, are expressing kind of how daft that is in in the age of technology. So the government are, are embracing the idea of a register, but just at the moment, they're embracing the idea of a no register. And we're saying, go the step further, do the yes and the no. So for organ donor awareness campaigns, we still have a very clear, proactive call to action. Sign up, say yes, share your wishes, as opposed to 
this kind of negative approach and this assumption of yes, but still relying on the family consent. So we're delighted that the government are addressing organ donation and transplantation, but we would be keen for an annual uh, donor audit uh, in all the ICUs so we can measure how successful we're being. And then, as I say, to extend the register idea to a yes and a no so as we're capturing even more of the population, uh, we're not just capturing the no's, we're capturing the yeses in the central Catching both, yeah. And have you and said this to the Department of Health or indeed somebody within the Minister's office or the Minister for Health himself? I mean, have they given you a reaction to, to what your concerns are and what you're saying here this morning to us? Because uh, obviously you're in the know and, and you deal with this on a daily basis. A lot of people are, are getting mixed signals and are getting as confused over the opt-in, opt-out. I mean, what have they come back to you with? Um, I think the general comment that has come back, like we've uh, our, our CEO and our, our uh, board members have been in with the minister on on several occasions uh, with this. He, like he is very good; he will listen to us. Um, but generally, the reaction is kind of, well, that's an interesting suggestion. Um, kind of, we'll get back to you. But um, it's like I. I, I for for me, like I don't see a cost issue. If you're going to invest in um, an opt-out register, I don't see there being a huge cost add-on by 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 having an opt-in. Uh, the UK originally had a yes register, a sign-up to say yes to organ donation. Then, when the Welsh introduced opt-out legislation, they had to change the register to a yes and a no register. And I think it's a great idea because. You're now asking the, the the public to express their opinion on organ donation. So you've got a very clear-cut call to action because that's what we need. We need the family conversation. The government recognised that themselves. And um, so I'd, I'd just ask the government to have the courage to um, take that one step further and um, let's, let's keep the conversation going because the 80 families who said yes to organ donation last year, the impact that they have had not only on the recipients of all those organs, but on their families, on their friends, uh, on society. The ripple effect is huge. I have quite a number of uh, friends, younger younger friends, who have had a transplant and have gone on to have children post-transplant. The beauty and magic of organ donation is it's astounding. And I think we also have to look at it from the perspective of donor families. Like listening to many donor families over the years, a common refrain is um, it was the one bright light in a very dark time. And I think we need to ensure that we continue offering that opportunity to families, but we need to make the decision-making process at the time of uh, trauma. You've just been told you've lost yeah. a loved one. And it, as you say, conversation with the family is the big thing. And also, when you're mentioning the, the change of lives that organ donation gives, we've seen here in Cork a number of people who've taken part in the transplant games and how organ donation has changed their lives and got them into sport in various ways. So we can see how it changes lives. You just need to deal with it now on a respectful basis. But I think the big thing out of all of this, which many people might not be aware of, is to have that particular conversation with your family. And that's, and that's the big thing. Yeah, that's... Like whatever consent system is in place in whatever country, in relation to the public's input to organ donation and transplantation, the most important thing is the family conversation, that your family know your wishes 
and we're suggesting to the government let's have a central database where we can record the yeses as well as the noes. Okay, well, we'll wait and see what happens in the next months regarding that. For the moment, Colin, thanks for joining us this morning on the programme. That's Colin White there, National Projects Manager with the Irish Kidney Association. What is your view on this regarding uh, this opt-in, opt-out system? I mean, I think what Colin says, having the yes and no, does make a lot of sense. Uh, Some people have various views on text regarding what the government are proposing. Uh, your view is welcome. Maybe over the years you've had an organ donation and what's your view on these proposals by the government? They are going to bring this before Cabinet within the next month and we'll wait and see then what will come out from that. But your views on that maybe over the years you've had uh, an organ donation and it has given you a better life or maybe a loved one uh, belonged to you and your family passed away and their organs were donated and you know that a family somewhere in the country is doing well or a person is doing well because of that loved one donating their organs uh, to a person in this country. Our, your, our lines are open. Your views are welcome on that. 1850-333-103. Mixed views coming in. You can text or WhatsApp 86 And do you take public transport and... Do you wait for buses a lot? Over 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes beyond their scheduled time? We're chatting to a student in Cork next who's trying to raise the situation and indeed not only raise awareness, but let Bus Aaron know about how late buses are in the Cork area. Discussing that next. Cork today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 103. A Cork College student is asking people to get behind his campaign for a better service of bus routes here in Cork and buses to come on time. How many calls do we get here uh, every week or every few months from people who are waiting uh, at a bus stop and no bus arrives and it can be because of traffic or one reason or another? Well, Sam McCormick, who is a student in CIT and lives in the Rochestown area, joins me. Good morning to you, Sam. Good morning. Uh, First of all, tell us your own experience about the bus times where you live there in Rochestown. Yes, so in Rochestown... Um, unfortunately, we only have a bus every hour, um, so frequency is a massive issue. Um, but on top of that, we can't even rely on the bus to show up at all, never mind on time. And are you on the city bus route? Yes. And the only an hour, every hour the bus arrives? Yeah, it's only once yeah. an hour, and in the evenings, imagine there's a, a two-hour gap. Because that's a very built-up area. I would have presumed like areas of Ballyfehan or Mayfield or wherever that the bus would arrive there every 15 to 20 minutes, but obviously not. Yeah, you'd think that that would make sense. Um, but unfortunately, I've been in contact with Bus Aaron many times over the past year regarding frequency and unfortunately nothing's been done. Because in Carrigaline and the Ballincollig area now, they are increasing the bus frequency to those areas. Now, I know uh, maybe for Carrigaline with all the farmer companies based there, that is one of the reasons. But still, you would think a built-up area like Rochestown, a city suburb, would have more than one bus every hour. So what are you experiencing then? Is it that you're waiting for the bus and the bus isn't turning up? And when it's supposed to arrive, let's say, at 8am, it mightn't arrive until 845 Exactly, yeah. There's been many times, especially over the past year, um, where it hasn't turned up for, for quite a while and even hasn't shown up at all. It's uh, it's made me late for college on several occasions. 
And you mentioned college there. I was on one of our shows we did before Christmas was broadcasting from uh, the Grand Parade, uh, from the Glow event. And there I was getting the 208 bus from Mayfield into the city centre. And on that particular bus, as you're a student, and you, you'll know this when you need to get to exams on time, the first bus seemingly didn't arrive. So they got on the next bus, which was around 8.30. And they were heading to CIT. Uh, but with the traffic and everything, before we got near Summerhill North, they were panicking because at this stage they knew they may not make their exam and their exam was 9.45 but even at that stage with the traffic and the buses being delayed in the traffic they were late also a big thing that is a, a bug bearer for a lot of people here Sam would be you're waiting for a bus for 30 minutes and then two or three buses show up at once and one bus drives away half full yeah it's it's a massive problem and uh, a complete waste of resources when you've two or three double decker buses showing up at the same time and it, it does happen quite a lot on the, the 205 CIT route as well. So the real info times, you know, on the side of the buses, they, they say when a bus is coming and it says two minutes, one minute. And on your phone as well, Bus Aaron will always say, no matter what bus you're getting, whether it's from Skibbereen to Cork or from Mallow to Cork, they will say check the real time app on the phones. But sometimes I'd find with those, yeah, they, they can be in real time. Other times they just get the schedule and they're not in real time. Is that something as well you're going to bring to Bus Aaron? Yeah, it's something I've already brought up with them, actually. Um, I met with management a few weeks before Christmas up in Capwell and uh, forwarded complaints that I had received from, from other people as well. Um, but the real time is a massive issue. Um, in fact, I think it, it misleads people more than more than it helps people. Yeah, they can do as well. And uh, what do you want people to do so to get into your campaign? Because you are going to Bus Aaron with what you've seen yourself and indeed other people. How can people get in contact with you to tell you their stories of late buses or buses not turning up or a service like where you live there in Rochestown not being frequent enough for a busy area and indeed a growing area of the city? Exactly, yes. So I'm asking people to get in touch either via the campaign Facebook page which can be found by searching Improve Cork Bus Aaron Services. And on top of that, I'd be asking people to email into me as well, because I am responding to all complaints and forwarding them on to Bus Aaron, the National Transport Authority and Shane Ross. So I'd be asking people to email in to corkbus at gmail.com. And you pass all those on to bus area management. I suppose the big thing here is, because I'm getting texts from people living in rural areas of Cork as well who are saying you're lucky to have a bus service in Rochestown. The big thing here, if you're living in a, in a suburb or in an urban area, at this stage, they don't want you driving into the city centre. They don't want you driving around the city. They are encouraging people and with changing laneways and everything, they are encouraging everybody to use buses. And in some aspects, you have no choice or it's easier to run a bus so or to get a bus. So you want that bus to be on time uh, rather than you opting to go for a bus and it's not there and you're missing your work you're missing your, your college exam so th- exactly. that's one of the main reasons uh, this campaign is underway Yeah exactly and um, I, I must highlight as well on top of that that if you know if we want to reduce emissions which is obviously a massive issue as well Huge issue yeah Yeah and of course um, traffic on the roads as well there's, there's no denying that traffic is a, a major factor in late buses but we must remember as well that if the bus service was in any way decent to begin with maybe you wouldn't have as much cars on the road. 
Of course you wouldn't. Yeah, because if, if you could rely on it, the cars wouldn't go. And then that would, what they are trying to do when get to their targets for 2020 with carbon emissions, they might get somewhere near that if we had a decent uh, bus route to tackle that issue. Uh, for the moment, Sam, best of luck with this. Hope it goes well for you. I hope bus and management do uh, meet up with you and go through those particular issues. A lot of people in touch with us here as well. So uh, we'll go through the various routes in Cork that are annoying people. But best of luck with that, Sam. And indeed, best of luck with the rest of your year in CIT. Thanks for having me on the show. Take care. That's Sam McCormack there, a student in CIT from the Rochestown area. Late buses, does that affect you? Or indeed, I see lucky to have a bus service where he lives, some people are saying, but uh, buses, if you have to rely on them, how frequent are they? How are they for time? Let us know. 1850-333-103 or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Now, a lot of people in touch with us regarding various issues we discussed this morning uh, to do with carbon tax and to do with the opt-out system uh, that the government are looking into and bringing to Cabinet in the next month with regards to organ donation. We'll get to those comments also regarding carbon tax and how indeed they're going to increase taxes on the likes of fuel, diesel, petrol, those type of, uh, of fuel and indeed then give it back to us in another way. But a lot of people are sceptical on that, especially after the property tax. A lot of your calls and comments on that on the way. Keep them coming to Bernie, 1850 Or indeed, you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. On the issue of buses, Dean Golin saying, oh my God, he only gets one an hour, one bus an hour. We get two in a day here in Golin. Poor boy, how would he cope living in the country, uh, says D in Goline. Uh, well, it's a good point, D. Yeah, maybe it's something that should be highlighted to Sam to see if more bus routes can get to those rural areas. The other thing is, a lot of those uh, from Bus Erin, when we have raised this before, uh, they say it depends on who uses the bus. And if there isn't enough people using the particular bus from rural areas, uh, then they cut the frequencies. Whereas you would think in more urban areas, more people would use the buses because basically it is an easier way to get around or you would hope so anyhow but then if no bus turns up how easy is it uh, but D we can understand totally where you're coming from with only uh, two buses a day compared to one an hour anyhow thank you for your WhatsApp D uh, 2086-2103-103 more of your calls and comments on the way after C103 News at 11 with Pierce and also Maybe you noticed this over Christmas. There is concerns from a lot of people, but especially one senator here in Cork. He feels smartphones are harming Ireland's famous hospitality and indeed culture. Are we losing the art of conversation to our smartphones? Think of yourself over Christmas when you're sitting down. Were most people looking on their smartphones or were you engaging in actual conversation? Uh, good morning to you. It's John Paul McNamara in for Patricia Messenger right through until one. Bernie takes your comments this morning. 1850-333-103 or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. A lot of comments coming in, various issues we've discussed over the course of the morning. Uh, first of all, something we're going to speak with very shortly, speak on very shortly and it's to do... Uh, with smartphones and are smartphones taking over the art of conversation? Are we losing out from talking to each other because of our smartphones? Well, uh, on this, the texter says, mobile phones have taken over from conversations, but I do think it is very rude and indeed ignorant of children. But then again, children don't know how to converse today. And I totally blame the parents for this because children will only see uh, and only do what they see and that's a very good point they will only do what they see and I suppose the point you're making there is when you're blaming parents is the parents are also on their smartphones and looking at their phones so when you see 
your mother or father or whatever looking at their phone and scrolling down on the phone you think then well that's something you do in life and the children then do the same as their parents so discussing that shortly on the programme your view on that do you think that mobile phones have taken away uh, from the art of conversation something we Irish are known for across the world because there's a fear that it could ruin our hospitality sector if people keep visiting this country and then all of a sudden all they see is people with their head down in a bar discussing that shortly on the show Uh, comments welcome on that how you feel about smartphones are we gone too mad on social media 1850-333-103 and on the issue then of the carbon changes to carbon tax that we were discussing earlier on the show and this was uh, what came up uh, it's in the papers this morning but it was raised by Leah Varadkar and it's to do with how monies from carbon tax could be used to fund a rise in child benefit and indeed tax credits it seems now the government aren't going to make any changes to the levy until next year but Leah Varadkar has said two options are being considered one is a carbon check given to households while the other is using the money to increase welfare payments or indeed tax credits now he has insisted that any revenue from carbon tax is going to be given back to households but a lot of people have different views on this including John who says we were told the same about the property tax for services but what did we get for it? Nothing. While Liam and McCroom agreeing with John saying uh, how many times in the past have we said we would get something for payment as regards the property tax? We all paid this. We all said it would be good to get more lighting on our streets to, to get our streets done up our roads fixed our footpaths fixed but what happened? Nothing. We pay the property tax every year, but I don't see any major developments being done in where I live, only for our toddy towns in McCroom and a group of people who look after the town, only for them and the voluntary work in the area. I'm not too sure if our property tax is being used at all uh, for what it should be. I don't blame the council workers for this. They don't make the rules, but I think only for voluntary organisations in towns like we have here in McCroom, I think things would just fall down around us because I cannot see any investment from the property tax to where I live in my area of McCroom says Liam so some people feel that this is all talk and we were promised so much from the property tax and nothing was ever delivered while Jim makes the point saying this carbon tax how will this benefit a single household with no children and also nobody in the tax bracket how would it affect them or how will it benefit them uh, says Jim uh, on text 086 103 well he is uh, bringing this uh, to the parliament and obviously he's bringing it to the other parties as well and to see what the uptake is on this and it hasn't been ruled out but it hasn't been ruled in either so we'll wait and see what becomes out of uh, what Leo Varadkar has said and it's been reported this morning in many of the papers we spoke regarding organ donation earlier on we spoke with Colin White who's from the Irish Kidney Association and what they would be afraid might happen if the opt-out system did just come in. Why not have a yes and no system in place rather than what the government are thinking of doing? But on that, so many people who have received an organ donation over the last number of years and how indeed it has changed their life. For example, Dan here in Kinsale says that his niece died in Australia at the age of 42 years. She died of a brain bleed, but she was able to help five other people by donating her organs, says Dan in Kinsale. While Jude 
on text saying I can see where the Irish Kidney Association are coming from I do think yes and no option will be better than just having an opt-out service because at least then people are having the conversation because at the end of the day if the doctor's going to ask your family and they're unsure it will make it more confusing and indeed cause further confusion down the line not only for the family but also for the medical staff but Jude says I am someone who did receive an organ transplant I received a kidney and it has changed my life and I thank my donor every day as it's given me a new lease of life so I do think organ donation needs to be promoted more in this country uh, says Jude on text 086 and keeping on the vein of uh, medical and medicine and all of that yesterday we spoke with Dr Nick Flynn Dr Nick is a GP in Holly Hill and he outlined to us what's happening right across Cork County and indeed across the city as well regarding GPs who are gone beyond retirement age who are still working in their practice but should be retired the reason why they're still working is the lack of GPs in the area and indeed especially in rural areas the lack of GPs who want to set up practices a lot of GPs who retire will see their patients move to a nearby practice practice but what we have then is we have that practice being full and you see delays if you want to go along and see a GP you could be waiting extra a day or whatever it is because the GPs are just so busy and then when it comes to South Dock services they're under pressure because they're going to be without a lot of GPs when they do retire and indeed they're especially at this time of the year noticing more people going into them with colds and flus and that's increasing pressure then on services such as South Dock and indeed uh, the GP surgery well because of Dr Nick outlining his concerns and the future of doctors in this country because uh, what he's seeing is younger GPs who are entering into the service they basically are going abroad for work because of better terms and conditions nothing to do really with money that has a factor but it's the quality of life is a big thing for GPs and a lot of, of new GPs are moving away from Ireland and are indeed setting up in other countries because of better quality quality of life and better terms and conditions and outside of that then you have GPs who are here in this country in Ireland and they want to practice only in urban areas because in urban areas where they practice in they feel they have a better quality of life there they'll have more patients coming in they'll have maybe more of an income compared to in a rural area and they might not want to live either in a rural area so we discussed that yesterday on the show with Dr Nick and Mossy in West Cork has texted in regarding that and he feels that the doctor that we did speak with yesterday he feels that some not all but that some doctors and nurses, Mossy says, are constantly whinging about things, whether it's pay or whether it's conditions in hospitals or whatever it is. Mossy feels that instead of putting their energy into preventive medicine, they are complaining about post-illness symptoms and diagnosis. If they had a few more analyses, that's our own nutritionist here on the show, uh, in the health service, maybe it might get the job done without complaints uh, says Mossy would you agree with Mossy on that I mean is there a need for the doctors and nurses to raise their concerns now in case things totally get out of hand within the health service uh, thanks for your text Mossy to 0862 103 103 and going back to organ donation and people's views on organ donation and the opt-out system that is being discussed in the last few days a texter here says and doesn't agree with this uh, says the opt-out situation the HSC is claiming ownership then of our bodies according to this texter how dare they who the hell do they think they can they are first of all on the basis that I will opt out to show that I am claiming my body 
as my own and my family's in the event we are not state-owned. This is an utter disgrace to suggest an opt-out system. They would be better to respect people and have an information campaign so that people can make an informed choice, as is their right. I hope they are taken to court for denying people freedom of choice and attempting to take ownership of people's bodies. You will go to jail if you took someone else's car for spare parts or for your own even if the other person's car was crashed by virtue of the fact that it would be stealing. What thick head can't apply the same logic concerning people's organs? They are not the property of the HSC to dictate that a person must opt out to claim ownership of their organs. We are already own them, says that particular texter who isn't in favour of the opt-out system being proposed and being spoken about is being brought to Cabinet uh, by the government within the next month and the Health Minister is bringing that before Cabinet within uh, the next month or so. Uh, we'll wait and see what happens with that. But that particular person feels it's claiming ownership to her bodies if they go ahead with the opt-out situation. Your views are welcome on that. Text, text or WhatsApp 86 or call Bernie on 1850-333-103. We also spoke there just before news at 11 uh, with Sam, Sam McCormick, who is has in the last week or so or more is running a campaign to improve bus services across Cork. Now, not only Cork City but across the entire county as well. We were discussing where he lives in Rochestown, the frequency of the buses, only one bus a day, which I thought was a bit low for an area of the city, a city suburb, where there's a big population and where now more of us are being encouraged to drive into the city centre rather than take the bus, whether it be for carbon emissions or not. The way the Uh, City centre is changing itself regarding lanes and the Patrick Street ban and all of those type things. It is really uh, making more people use public transport than taking the car in. It can be easier at times to be in a bus looking traffic uh, than in your own car getting frustrated and indeed trying to whiz in and out of traffic. Anyway, uh, we had texts from people in rural areas who were unhappy because they only get one bus a day or two buses a day. Uh, But on that, Sam just coming back again because he doesn't want uh, to get the impression out there that uh, people living in rural Cork are being left out. He doesn't want that to be coming out from the conversation because he does want everybody to get involved in this particular bus campaign. So he was back on to let people know And what we said before news at 11, if you are living in an area, and and obviously for him, he says uh, city buses should serve more than one bus an hour in an urban area, as it's very important uh, because you have shorter journey times, you're coming in out of the city and suburbs, you have to use the city, the frequency should be larger. But obviously he understands that rural areas, the frequency uh, can be a bigger issue with few buses on either one or two a day, as we heard from Dean Goleen earlier. But he has raised these issues with bus air as well, because he's received complaints from people living in the West Cork area on the 237 route. He said this campaign is to raise awareness across all of the counties. So for some who were not less happy but who are taking and picking Sam up on what he said regarding one bus a day and people saying we've only or one bus an hour and people in other areas only having one bus a day. If you have an issue, we'll give you the email address there later in the programme. But contact Sam say it to him because he's bringing all these issues not just city bus routes but indeed county bus routes as well all the complaints people have he's meeting with the bus area management sitting down with them and going through the complaints and hopefully then we can see a better bus service for Cork whether or not it will happen in rural areas because we have discussed this before and bus here and have come back saying people aren't using the buses so if you don't use the bus we're not going to run five buses a day to a rural area of Cork 
if no one is using the bus it's a loss making situation for us uh, that they have come back with from Bus Aaron. Uh, but again if there is an issue Sam will raise it with them so it's not just regarding city buses it's regarding buses across Cork so Sam Bacanta was just wanted to, to reiterate that because he did hear comments that came in afterwards and just that it would not be unfair he said to people in other areas of Cork so uh, your views welcome on bus times as well and if you have uh, let us know an incident with a bus uh, we'll raise that and pass it on to Sam as well I will give you his details shortly on how you get in contact with him you can email us as well across the day jp at c103.ie or call us 1850 text or whatsapp 86 and on texting and on smartphones do you think we are losing our art of conversation in this country we're discussing that next joined by Senator Tim Lumbert who was raising the issue C103 Jobs and on today's job spot, we have opportunities for a fully qualified mechanic with electronic experience required for the Mid-Cork area. You must be able to work on your own initiative. You can email your CV to philipcrossmotors at gmail.com. And a receptionist administration assistant is required for the Bantry Skibbereen area. It's a full-time position. Experience of a busy environment is essential. Email your CV to bernardo.callahan999 at gmail.com and a full-time childminder in the Donrell area is required for three school-going boys including school drop-off and pickups. Call Cathy after 6pm on 087-136-7746 that's 087-136-7746 you'll find these details and more job opportunities online now just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs Court today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 1850-333-103 Yesterday on the show we were hearing from people who saw a very just bad driving over the Christmas New Year's period and one of the things people noticed was at traffic lights or at junctions or unfortunately on a roadway people looking down or people on the phone or having the phone in front of them and scrolling on the phone and people just making the point of how smartphones are making driving as dangerous as drink driving, drug driving and all of that because people aren't looking on the road or paying attention to the road they're on their smartphone and because of that the conversation was raised about people on their smartphones more and it's something that's been raised by Senator Tim Lumbert who feels and is concerned that smartphones may be harming Ireland's hospitality and indeed our culture Uh, Tim joins me on the programme this morning Good morning to you Tim and Happy New Year to you Good morning and happy to yourself, John Paul. Uh, this is something that has been raised by various tourism groups before who had highlighted this, mainly for, I suppose, American tourists and UK tourists coming here who want to experience a real Irish atmosphere, a real Irish pub. And when they come in, then they see people sitting down, adults especially, uh, in social surroundings, uh, looking at their phone and not talking. And there's a worry that we are losing that particular culture and that conversation art that Ireland and Irish people are known for across the world. Yeah, and I think that's probably exactly the issue that we have at the moment. If you go into any pub or even restaurant, unfortunately, in Ireland at the moment, um, a bunch of male, female, doesn't matter, most of them will be in their laps looking at their iPhone, looking at their actual scrolling down, whether it's Twitter, WhatsApp, Facebook, and we're all addicted to it to it in a way. I do think we need to just be aware of how much time we're spending on the actual phones itself. Um, it came very apparent to me over Christmas, like most of the pubs that I went into, um, 
friends will, might have met for the first time over the over the year in many ways, and literally they were in their phone looking at this, looking at that. Uh, how would I would equate it? it? Would be like if you were in the pub in the eighties and everyone took out newspaper and read the newspaper and nobody talked to each other. That's kind of what's happening at the moment. They're getting information, but they're not engaging. They're not enjoying the social atmosphere of the pub or the friends that they go out to meet. And we all have friends on social media, but your true friends are the ones that you actually have, you know, the four or five really close friends. And I think personally, social media is having a huge impact on that kind of friendship itself. And it's having a huge issue on how people actually talk to each other and engage with each other. Um, like I have people in the office here and they'd be saying that I was talking to you and they would believe a text message is talking while for me verbal is talking you actually sit down and talk to a person so it's how we communicate is changing how we're going to deal with that issue is going to be something we're going to have to look at and when we discussed this earlier on the show, raising the fact that we were speaking about this, a lot of people have texts in and they feel that younger people are losing the art of conversation and just simply can't converse anymore. Absolutely. And I think that's a real issue there. Um, like from the from iPads all the way up or iPods all the way up, um, from five, six, seven onwards, it's, they're swiping on their phones. You know, books, unfortunately, are becoming a thing of the past. It's all becoming what's on your iPad. Society has changed. I just think we need to be aware of it and we need to monitor it in so many ways. And it became apparent to me maybe about three months ago when I, I have an iPhone and it told me how much time I'm spending on screen on the iPhone. And it was telling me I was spending an average of six and a half hours a day on the screen. And I was, God, am I really doing that? But then I became conscious of it. But I do think that kind of information, all phone providers should be letting the user know how long they're actually on the phone itself how long they're actually going through their messages, going through their WhatsApps, going through whatever it is. Because if you are made aware of it, you're spending so much of your day literally flicking up down the phone, you didn't become aware that you have to change your behaviour because, number one, it's antisocial, but number two, it isn't good. It isn't the proper way you should be doing your business. And the other thing is not good for your eyes as well. A lot of people will notice that uh, and people feeling they have to get glasses earlier in life because they're looking at computer screens or phone screens uh, for a longer period that they would have before. When it comes to our culture, though, I mean, when you have people from America, Australia, the UK, wherever they're coming from, they come to Ireland and whether people like it or not, they do want to see and it could be a restaurant or a bar or it could be an outdoor area where you have people telling stories, playing Irish music and whether... uh, people agree with that or not a lot of tourists come here to see the old Ireland that some want to move away from but is still there from a tourism point of view and if we especially the younger and when I mean younger I'm speaking 40s, 30s, 20s that age group because they're the people who are on the on the phones more so than, than others and who are obsessed with being on the phones in case they lose out on something or they haven't seen something on social media what's the case though if we go to 20 years time whereby that traditional they're on the fireside discussions the screw ups all of those they'll be gone because they're dying out some would say at the moment due to a lack of interest from people coming up and, and the age groups coming up but with this threat now from social media are we going to have to change the way we attract people to this country because we are you see the signs if you're abroad come to Ireland and they have these old tight tatch pubs but what are you going in for do you know you're going in for what you can see yeah. in New York and, and, and I do think the other issue there is that people don't live in the moment if you have um, a person playing in the corner they'll be 
typically taking a video of them to post on social media rather than enjoying the actual experience of the music and the experience of being in that atmosphere. So it's a very, very important issue that our culture itself and what we do very well, we're, we're a nation of talkers. That's what we're good at. That's where we're known for. We're known for people who come into a pub and even if you don't know them, you're going to say, hello, how's it going? And you're going to have that engagement and have that talk. And I think, like my own little parish back in Tratton, like we'd have poor enough mobile phone coverage in four of the pubs. And because of that, people have to engage. You walk in the door, nobody's on the phone, and people actually, literally, they have the to talk with the stranger, where you're from, how come you're here, and vice versa. And that's really, really important. And that's where we need to kind of look at ourselves. And we have to look at our... Look at what, why do we go to the pub? We go to the pub, hopefully just to socialise, to meet, to talk, to engage with people. And- hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's something we have to kind of go back to. And that's something we need to start talking to people about. And I think in many ways, mobile phones and the actual social media platforms we're all on has had a huge impact on what really has become our trademark which is our ability to engage and to talk to people You mentioned there were natural talkers here in Ireland could be one of the reasons why social media such as Facebook and Snapchat and Instagram and all of those are gone so big here because we are into conversation but now in a different type of way but seemingly social media use here in Ireland I was reading this over Christmas uh, we're one of the biggest users of Facebook and Snapchat and Instagram and all of those social media outlets compared to other European countries. We're one of the biggest, so so it may be affecting us more than other countries, but also on the idea of restaurants or bars wanting to ban smartphones. Some have in the past and some have done it successfully. Cafes have done that as well, or they've even turned off Wi-Fi because people were sitting in a cafe just on their particular phone. But then other bars need social media because bigger bars depend on people to tag them in photos and that type of thing so there's, even though some bars are saying yes we should ban them others are going no so there's a conflict there between uh, the hospitality sector themselves on what to do with smartphones 
Absolutely. I think there's a marketing issue there. Um, the bigger bars are definitely using social media as a real marketing tool. They know the actual power that social media can have to get their message out there. And the bigger bars in particular in town, they would definitely push that. They would really push that agenda of having a picture taken, putting it up and, you know, tagging you in it and then getting their name out there about who's going to and how many are going to their pubs. But I do think the idea of the smaller restaurants saying, look, many ways you're there to enjoy the atmosphere of the restaurant the company of it and that's what we need to promote and that's where we need to push the space but I do think it's the ability for us to know how long we're actually on the phone is going to be the big thing and that's where I think the Joint Raptors Committee and Communications have to come in that kind of information has to be given to the actual consumer they must know how many hours a day they're spending the phone and when they see that hopefully then they can see some change in their behaviour because if you're spending six, seven, eight hours on screen time, you're going to step back and say, is this appropriate? Is this how I'm going to spend my life? Spend literally a third of my day looking to a phone. Hopefully people will, when they see that kind of information, they can step back from where they are at the moment. Yeah, an interesting text here from Melissa. and This was over the Christmas period in her households. And they had a situation where I'm sure... Everybody had this maybe on Christmas Day or one of the days over Christmas whereby you're at the kitchen table or wherever you're having your Christmas dinner or meal afterwards and people are on their phones and she was giving out to them. Especially she said, my husband and my daughter were the actual biggest uh, users of the phone over Christmas. And I said to both of them, would you please stay off the phone? Would you chat like everybody else? So my two sons were chatting away, but she felt the husband and the daughter weren't. At one stage, for some reason, uh, their Wi-Fi went down. And where they live, they don't have great mobile phone coverage. So uh, they, you can call somebody, but they don't have you know 3G or 4G so that you can access data. What they did was, Melissa says, they drove and they drove down the road a few kilometres to pick up uh, Facebook and to pick up Snapchat because they were afraid in case they were missing out on something going on on Facebook or Snapchat. Only in, she said, about 30 minutes. Because the wife was only down for about an hour or so. So she said, that's what you're dealing with. And that is something that is a worry, she goes, that screen time is on the increase. But to think that someone is in the the fear of losing out, they might miss something on Facebook or Snapchat for just 30 minutes they drove from their house to get reception. That is a worry if you're that desperate to have your phone in your hand. That's a very, very serious kind of issue. Like that's kind of, that's unfortunately where society is going. And that's something that we just need to start talking about. And I think, like in fairness, mobile phones and iPhones have become a major phenomenon over the last decade. Like everything else, they can reach a peak in the saturation point. And this conversation needs to start about how much information we can actually take in, how much appropriate information is out there. And at the end of the day, your real friends, and I would kind of go back to my school friends and the guys I played today with, they would be considered my real friends. While you have Facebook friends and Twitter followers and all this kind of stuff, really are they your true friends is to read issue and they're not the guys you're going to go to when you're in the hour of need so I do think we need to reevaluate where we are in society um, my brother Dan told a very interesting story last week about Christmas Day over in his house that he was watching TV and the four kids were on the actual um, four different devices and he turned off the TV and nobody noticed so it was just kind of a bizarre scenario that society has become so introverted we're into our own phones into our own little world and we're not engaging with society and for Ireland of all nations a nation that's been known for being very social outgoing engaging with people 
not to have that ability now at the moment or to move away from it is something we really have to readdress. And like for me, this will start in debate. I'll be doing the Oireachtas again next January about trying to get something done about screen time and getting that information out to the public. Because if we don't, we'll just go into the abyss of literally people looking to their laps on phones. You mentioned you are going to raise in this at the Communications Committee that you were on. I mean, what can you do, though, as a Communications Committee? Because you can change people's behaviour. That's going to be near to impossible. But can you deter or can you make phone companies put something on their phone like you have in yeah. your phone whereby it shows screen time? Can, can you enforce some law that companies have to do this just here in Ireland? Yeah, and that's probably the point I was trying to make. I think in many ways, uh, one provider has actually done it lately. They've actually put the amount of time per week on your phone, how much time per day you're actually on the screen. And have it in an easier location as well, because some people, these things are hidden in most phones, and most phones would have this, but we probably don't even know we have it. And I think that's probably where we need to go. And what I'd be hoping for now is that we can actually get the mobile phone companies into the Oireachtas to tell them their plans and how they can actually have this information made easier available and properly available to the actual consumer. Because it's about consumer rights in so many ways. It's about the consumer having the right to know how long is he or she on the actual mobile phone. And if we can empower the consumer to have the information, that's as far as we can really go in many ways. I don't think the idea of having a limit or something like that is appropriate, but we need to inform people of how many hours a day they're spending on screen time and when they see that and if they are aware of the harmful effects that such time on a phone could have then I'd be hoping that they can move away from that kind of scenario but I do think we're at a peak and I do think it really is obvious this Christmas it's beyond belief in a social environment you could have so many people on a phone I think we're at that peak at the moment I'm hoping that society will now step back and change its actual view of mobile phones and the fancy mobile phones that you see now at the moment that people might say well maybe I need just to step back and change and control my actual lifestyle itself Well wait and see what happens when you meet the phone companies for the moment uh, thank you for raising that issue it is something that every family has noticed over Christmas and New Year's anyhow that is finished with Tim Lumber there joining us did you notice that? Like Melissa I think her example says it all when half her family have to leave the house and drive down the road to pick up phone signal because they were afraid they would miss something on Facebook. Your view on that? Are smartphones taking over our lives? Are we too dependent on them? 1850-333-103. You can call Bernie or indeed text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Our Garda file is next. And a lot of people are reacting to our conversation and chat with Senator Tim Lombard regarding phones and people using phones. Uh, Eddie in Mallow says there would be no such thing anyhow as rural pubs left in this country regardless of phones or not until they remove Shane Ross more accidents are being caused though by mobile phones on our roads than drink driving feels Eddie in Mallow while Tom in Carrick 2 says unusual to hear JP give you out about using phones uh, too much as Patricia and JP are always encouraging people to go online Uh, Tom says he sees his grandchildren doing nothing else but looking at their damn phones well I suppose to get in contact with the show anyhow you would be encouraging people to ring or use a phone and that was something that Tim Lumber pointed out the fact that some people he knows will say when you text him 
they feel that is chatting to him or discussing something with him when the text when actually unless you phone somebody but we encourage people to use the phone to come on air and chat with us so that is using the art of conversation in a different way it's not in the bar or restaurant obviously it's on radio but it is using the art of conversation in a different way uh, so you know, I, we are we have to use the, the phones to get people to chat to us on the radio, and that is the uh, the main reason, I suppose, we do give out the phone numbers. As for encouraging people to go online, then for various services nowadays, you do have to go online, and a lot of people, whether you're going renewing your motor tax or whatever, you do have to go online. And some people like going online looking for information rather than going to a certain location but it's not that we're you know, discouraging people from going online or discouraging people from uh, talking to people it's just the issue being raised of too much screen time being used and are we losing our art of a conversation anyhow Tom and Carrie Tool, thank you for your call and you can call us 1850 333103 or indeed text or WhatsApp 0862103103 Now our Garda this week I'm joined by Sergeant Ian O'Canahan from Bandon Garda Station and good morning to you Ian Good morning John Paul And we'll start off Ian with a burglary and this was in Inchigila That's right uh, John Paul before Christmas there on the Wednesday the 19th uh, between 12 midnight and 11.45pm that night um, house owner reported um, that house that's been built um, in the village um, had a rear window smashed uh, to gain entry and a number of power tools were stolen including two green pillside drills and also an evolution skill saw. So that happened on the 19th, the Wednesday before Christmas, some stage during that day or evening. Uh, if anybody in the Inchigila area saw or heard anything uh, would they please contact the Croom Garda station? And outside of Inchigila, two other break-ins, uh, one in Clonakilty and also one in Upton. Um, the first one there um, happened in Clonakilty on the 27th of December, uh, between 10pm and 12 midnight on the following day, the Friday. A large Bluetooth speaker was stolen from a shed at the rear of a house at Convent Way, in Clonakilty, which is just on the outskirts of the town there. So that happened on the 27th, 28th. If anybody uh, heard anything, uh, please contact Clonakilty Garda Station. Uh, A third burglary incident over the Christmas occurred there on Friday the 28th of December between 9am and 11am at Meany Gluggerian in Cullen, which is up near Mill Street, County Cork. A number of items were stolen from a house when the owner of the house was, was actually out in the garden doing some jobs and came into the house to discover, unusually, um, for a burglary incident, uh, a large number of shirts and trousers were taken, as well as an assortment of personal documentation and also a black wallet. So it's an unusual uh, crime to occur, but I suppose it's timely to remind people when even if you're out and about in your garden uh, doing work, spring coming now, um, you know, if there's nobody in the house, to be mindful to lock doors. Yeah, that is an unusual one. You wouldn't hear of that happening no. a lot. So just be careful, even though you're on your own home property, uh, and especially maybe in a rural area, you don't know who's lurking behind a hedge in the field somewhere, sees you go out to your garden, and you've left the front or the back door, or the front door, or whatever door open, and then they pop in. That's it. And sure. look, it is very unusual, but I am, I am aware of previous similar type incidents mm-hmm. happening over the years. Um, but yeah, look, it's something for listeners to be wary of um, and not to be complacent as well. That some 
criminal could be passing and could look to exploit the opportunity if they see you out, particularly out the rear of the garden. Okay, so if you are guarding, be aware of that. Lock your doors. And from Mill Street to thefts in Kinsale. That's right. Um, four hunting dogs were stolen on the 28th of December at approximately 3pm in the townland of Ballyregan, um, outside Kinsale there. Uh, the dogs are described as expensive dogs, JMP, uh, and um, described as one, two male and two female. Uh, one male is brown and white in colour, and the other is a kind of a speckled black and white colour. And the two females are described as one being red with a short tail, and the other one uh, kind of tan and black in colour. So if anybody um, saw anything unusual in that townland, or indeed in subsequent days have come across hunting dogs for sale, uh, particularly at low or cheap prices, uh, to please contact uh, the Guardian Kinsale or indeed abandon. Yeah, you'd wonder how they get those hunting dogs. They can be kind of loud at times, so you'd wonder how they manage to get them and take them away without someone hearing them. But then if it's in the early hours of the morning, you know, it, it could be possible. Uh, a strange one though, Ian, it's isn't it? It's a strange it? one. It's 3pm in the afternoon. Oh, it's um, in the afternoon. Okay, so... You would, you would imagine it's somebody with experience of, probably of so. hunter dogs. Yeah, probably so. Uh, must would be. know how to handle them and obviously yeah. were able to get them into some vehicle or um, trailer uh, attached. Um, so, yes, very important. It is unusual but very important uh, that we notify the public, uh, particularly if you own such dogs, or indeed if uh, you come across them being offered for sale at cheap prices to contact the Guardian Kinsale. OK, uh, from Kinsale, more thefts at this time in Castletown Bear. Yes, uh, three similar incidents happened on the same night, uh, the 30th of December, the, the night of the 29th, 30th of December, Saturday night, Sunday morning. Um, all happened after 12.40 a.m. And the items that were stolen were projector lights, uh, festive uh, projector projector lights. Um, very unusual. All were taken from front gardens. Uh, two were taken at West End Park in Castletown Bear. And another projector lamp was taken um, from North Road in Castletown Bear. So anybody down in Castletown Bear on that Saturday night, Sunday morning, in that general area of West End Park at North Road, uh, if they saw anybody unusual carrying items um, to please contact the Gardaí in Castletown Bear um, would be very much appreciated. And a criminal damage in Kinsale and Clonakilty. Yes, uh, my colleagues there in Kinsale are looking for assistance there on Christmas Eve between 11.30 and 11.40pm. Glass was broken on a window of the Carmelite Friary there in Kinsale. Um, now, initial inquiries um, lead us to believe that there may have been youths uh, congregated there that night. Um, so we are appealing for any information in relation to, I think there's about five, six hundred euro worth of damage done there to the Friary JP. So we're anxious to get information on that. And then in Clonakilty, uh, there was three different incidents of cars being damaged on the 29th of December, which was a Saturday night between 5pm and 11am the following morning, the Sunday. A front passenger window of a car was broken at Assumption Place in Clonakilty. Nothing was stolen from the car. Assumption Place there is in the town centre. And again, on the 30th of December, the sun, early hours of Sunday morning, a windscreen of a car was damaged there by a rock at Temple Bryan North, in Clonakilty, um, other people might refer to that area as Shannon Vale. And finally, another car at Kilgariff Cross in Clonakilty um, had its windscreen cracked by what we believe was a rock. 
And again, that happened uh, approximately 3 a.m. on that Sunday morning. So very unusual incidents there to happen within a short time frame in the general Clonakilty area. And my colleagues are very anxious to hear from anybody who may have seen any person or any vehicles acting suspiciously in the early hours of the Sunday morning, uh, John Paul. That was in the Clonakilty area. And then, this is another strange one. These is uh, antennas on a, is it a Cork County Council roof in Kinsale? That's right. Um, you're, you're right, John Paul. It, it is quite unusual um, type of incidents have happened here over the last two weeks and exemplified by this. Um, two antennas, I suppose they were on top of, adjacent to the chimney, of the Cork County Council building there, um, known locally as the Rock and Kinsale Water Treatment Plant, uh, was damaged approximately 500 euro. They were definitely manually damaged. So it took a fair bit of effort, not to mention quite dangerous for who who done this, um, to go up onto the roof and to physically damage the antennas in such a manner. It, it, it simply defies belief what the logic of the individual was here. Um, but as I said, 500 euro worth of damage caused and that happened um, on the 25th of December Christmas morning at approximately we believe between midnight and half past 12 so anybody in the area of the rock known as it's known locally there in Kinsale did anybody see anybody act suspicious on foot or in car at contact the Gardaí locally there Okay, you also want to acknowledge the road traffic figures that were released earlier in the week. A low figure for 2018, Ian. That's right. Um, I suppose, look, just to... I, I, initially, I should have uh, wished everybody a very happy new year in, in, to all your listeners and to thank everybody for their assistance during the year in relation to um, our endeavours to reduce crime and to reduce road traffic fatal collisions. And as most people are aware... Uh, the Road Safety Authority released figures there in the last couple of days and it's the lowest since records began in the 1950s it's the lowest ever recording of fatal road traffic collisions in the country so it's a step in the right direction um, it's something we want to see reduce even further in 2019 uh, what is a concern for us I suppose John Paul while the figures are very positive uh, a concern for us going forward into our policing plans for next this year coming is the amount of pedestrian fatalities. So I suppose going ahead here, and we're still in the depths of winter and long evenings, it's to appeal to all listeners and to get the message out there of, you know, it's very, very dangerous being out on the road, particularly rural areas, um, if you're not highly visible. So high-vis jackets, they're free to get. Um, Please put them on. Even during the daytime, have high-vis jackets on. Um, cyclists, it would appeal to as well, motorcyclists, because it could be 2 o'clock in the afternoon, but it could still be a very grey day and visibility. And for drivers, to have your lights on, on dim as well. It's all about being seen when you're on the public roadway. Yeah, and also, I'm sure you have seen this as well, there seems to be an increase in traffic in the last year compared to other years. I'm not too sure is it because people are on the move more than there were over the last number of years, but because of that and because people are walking uh, to work if they can in certain areas, you are going to have that situation whereby more traffic on the road, you have to be extra careful, especially in built-up areas. And as you mentioned, rural roads as well. Uh, we have, we've had cases before 
on rural roads, people driving around a corner fast and someone jumping into a ditch to save themselves. So you just have to be extra careful with the high volumes of traffic, which seems to be, I thought it was just Christmas, but they still seem to be on our roadways. Well, it is. And I suppose with extra increased economic activity over the last year or two, um, there are a lot more people in work um, commuting and it's so much more common now for people to be working shift work as well. So you are right, JP, that and my colleagues tell me who work nights that they would visibly see more vehicles on the road as well and even from early in the morning from 4 or 5 a.m. people are starting to commute to work for early morning shifts so you know it's it's imperative for all of us to take extreme caution when we're on the roadway whether we're driving cycling or indeed walking. Okay, Ian, well, uh, happy New Year to you once again and thanks for joining us today. That is Sergeant Eno Callahan from Bandon Garda Station. A lot of people have been in contact with us regarding smartphones and their experience over Christmas or New Year's or even just out and about with their friends with smartphones. We'll bring you those comments after C103 News and Sport at midday with Pierce on the way. Also, if you have a pet in your household, maybe they're sick after the Christmas period or maybe you have questions about them or looking for advice, Jane Pickett is along just after midday. If you have a question for Jane get it into us now Bernie takes those questions 1850-333-103 or indeed text or WhatsApp 086-2103-103 Jane uh, from the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket will join us as well D103 good afternoon to you Bernie takes your comments today 1850-333-103 or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 086-2103-103 you can email us this afternoon at C103Cork or email or so you can tweet us this afternoon at C103Cork or email JP at C103.ie On the issue of smartphones we discussed there before uh, news at midday with Senator Tim Lumbert and this was to do Uh, with what he has seen over Christmas but also which has come from many in the hospitality sector they're worried that the art of conversation we're known for here in Ireland when tourists come to visit they expect people to strike up a conversation not everywhere obviously but in some bars because that's what Ireland has been known as across the world for the conversation that we can bring to a certain situation or indeed especially our bars are known for that our restaurants are known for that our streets are known for that the art of conversation over the years if you go abroad people will try and strike up a conversation and bring that into it about how come in Ireland you're always chatting in the bar you know so easily to do uh, compared to other countries there's a fear now though for a lot of people in that hospitality sector that could be coming to an end because they see everybody on their phones and they see people in restaurants in bars out and about all on their phones and not talking to each other it's raising concern that it is being discussed at the communications department and the communications committee within the Oireachtas because they're going to try and see can they implement screen time for all manufacturers of mobile phones to input on their phone and indeed so if it is on the phone that you can find it easily too probably a lot of phones have that but you know with the phone trying to find an app or trying to find hidden settings can can be tough unless you're really looking around the phone. Anyhow, on that, a lot of people have noticed people on phones more so and more than what they should be. Uh, John and Cove says that people are on their phones while crossing the road. They're walking around like zombies and not watching out for what is ahead of them, feels John in Cove. While Billy in Glamire says ban all smartphones and bring back the old Motorola mobiles. They suit older people as well. No internet on them and they're only for making a call, uh, says Billy in Glamire. While Christopher in Yall says it is the biggest craze that ever came into this country. Mobile phones. There should be a levy 
put onto phones, feels Christopher in Yol. While Eddie in Inascara was at his sister's for Christmas. Now, Eddie says there was about 10 of them around the kitchen table uh, for Christmas dinner and she banned phones for the day. It was a great day without the phones, says Eddie in in Nascara. And Christy then noticed something when he was out. He says on a Saturday night, uh, people usually go on their phones about 11 o'clock in the evening. And that is because usually at that time, the fantasy football leagues are updated and people go on to check how they're doing in the fantasy football league, says Christy. Uh, Also, Mary is saying that she notice more people going online in the morning and indeed on the next day and in the evening it's becoming an addiction and Mary feels we're going to have health issues in a few years to come because of this and a lot of people are because the fact that more people are looking at screen time outside of not chatting or conversing with another human which is becoming an issue a lot of people feel as we heard comments earlier from people uh, younger generations and when I mean younger I'm on about teenagers 20s even people in their 30s who are not able to continue a conversation mainly because their conversations are done on a phone and the art of speaking isn't coming to them uh, because they're not growing up with it. They're, they're looking at their phones. They speak to their friends on their phones and not face to face. And some parents have noticed that and some uh, grandparents and aunts and uncles have uh, gone on to us this morning and they noticed that over Christmas amongst younger people. Not all. Some were able to chat but some uh, who are big into technology are not great for communicating and I know people will say well not everybody is great to communicate and not everybody wants to talk but this seems to be a situation whereby they're spending too much time on their phones and they're not conversing or they're not able not that they're not conversing they're not able to converse they don't know how to hold a conversation not a mind creation one uh, so we'll have that side of it Mary uh, on, on text regarding the future and, and those type of, of uh, mental health issues I suppose but also on health issues screen time looking on your phone your eyes and you will hear people who work in offices who look at computers all day they will openly say their eyesight has deteriorated because looking at a computer screen all day long has affected their eyes and it has to I mean if you're looking at a screen all day long it is going to affect your eyes there's no doubt about that uh, some of your calls to do with um, phones and people using smartphones uh, we also have a lot of calls to do with people on the roads I'll get to those shortly over the Christmas New Year's period people saw some uh, let's just say very bad driving conditions we'll get to those shortly a lot of emails into us on the show over Christmas and indeed yesterday afternoon on what people came across on the roads and Michael is in Castletown Bear a happy new year to you Michael uh, wishing us a happy new year here at C103 and we were discussing earlier on regarding the carbon tax and this was what Leo Varadkar is what he's going to meet with his fellow parties in the in Doyle in the house and what they're trying to do is they're trying to bring in and change the way we look and consider a carbon tax and even though they are going to introduce carbon tax on fuels which we know on petrol on diesel they're then going to use what is made and what is raised from the carbon tax and that will fund child benefit and indeed go to t- towards our tax credits. Now nothing will change this year, it could be uh, next year at this stage and there's two options being considered. One is a carbon check given to households while the other then is using the money to increase welfare payments and as I mentioned tax credits. So it looks like that they want the carbon tax the money, the revenue that is raised to be given back to householders but a lot of people earlier on the show were not happy. Uh, not that they weren't happy, were dubious of all of this. They felt that, of course, they're going to say that. They said the same about the property tax. 
and they said well, if we pay the property tax everybody did if you own a house uh, you have to pay the property tax it'll come out of your wages even if you try to avoid to pay the property tax and they were to- we were all told that our services would improve roads lighting all of that would improve because we're now paying for that by way of the property tax but a few years later we have been inundated with people saying we're paying for the property tax I don't see anything improved uh, people living in towns and estates it's up to the voluntary groups they feel and we heard from Liam earlier in McCroom he says only for the voluntary groups operating in McCroom a lot of things would fall apart in McCroom that they're doing all the work and no offence to any of the council workers not their fault uh, they don't make the decisions it's management that make the decisions but a lot of people feel voluntary groups are holding up towns and then if you go outside of towns and outside of villages and go to more rural areas and look at the roads in rural areas. Have a look at your road network outside your front door and look at the various conditions and state of the roads. And if you're in a rural area where you have no lighting, you have your own water supply, the big thing for you from the property tax, because you're still paying the property tax no matter where you're living, the big thing for you would be your road network. But even that hasn't improved, people tell us, uh, following the introduction of the property tax. So when this was mentioned this morning about the carbon tax and householders being given back money from the carbon tax, yeah, you can guess people were going yeah right we heard that for the property tax look what happened there uh, so Michael in Castleton Bear raising the point on that he says on the issue of the councils not filling potholes or not sharing the property tax that they get uh, Michael says I want to remind you that one third of all monies received by the county council goes to administration they look after themselves first and foremost and let the briar shake hands with your car that's the only handshake you will get from them, says Michael in Castletown Bear. And thank you for that WhatsApp, Michael, to 0862 103 uh, Do you agree, with Michael, on that? And do you agree uh, with the concerns coming in from people who have realised the property tax we were all promised never really delivered? So is this ever going to deliver as well uh, with what's been promised this morning regarding the carbon tax, if that even I guess to go ahead on what they're saying he obviously must bring that to the other parties and to his own uh, party as well anyhow your views are welcome on that 1850 333 103 or indeed you can text or whatsapp 0862-103-103 you can email jp at c103.ie I want to give a mention to Mallow Handball Club and in particular uh, to David Walsh because uh, the handball club has enjoyed a lot of success at major competitions in the States in recent years and this continues because David Walsh over the Christmas period he went and he won gold and silver at the US Nationals which were held in Oregon so well done to David uh, picking up gold and silver a great achievement I know they've done very well at Mallow Handball Club over the last while but again over the Christmas period in case you didn't hear of that David Walsh picking up gold and silver in handball uh, and he's part of Mallow Handball so well done David on that a great achievement there uh, picking up from the US Nationals in Oregon uh, great news and good news and, and glad to bring you that information this morning also people were on to us I did mention this earlier penny dinners they are looking if you have a household at home and you're looking at chocolates you haven't opened or biscuits or whatever else is lying around your house after Christmas and you're starting your health kick and you feel that it's time to forget the chocolates now and move on well Penny Dinners are looking for donations so if you 
had those chocolates, you had those biscuits and you want to get rid of them, why not donate them to Penny Dinners? Uh, you can drop them into their offices there in the city or their, their um, building there in the city. Uh, Penny Dinners looking for donations. So if you have those, uh, it'll go to a great cause there and help those who were unable uh, to get those particular sweets at Christmas time. 1850-333-103. Lines open. Text or WhatsApp 0862103103. And those are the same numbers as well. If you have pet questions for Jane, Jane Pickett will join us shortly from the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket. Any pet questions for Jane, get them into us on those numbers also. And discussing road conditions, but not only road conditions, but the drivers on our road and what people experienced over the last few weeks. I have a lot of emails in on those. I'll get to those next. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Sean and Nori McSweeney of Clagaw and Drimmel League they will have their Christmas lights display up until Tuesday January the 8th and that is to raise funds for local West Cork charities and indeed Marymount Hospice the music room in Boherbui will start a new year of great music with Sean Radley of the Mill Street Gramophone Society and that's going ahead this evening in the Pierce Memorial Hall in Boherbui at 8pm and a new classical society will hold a classical concert in Formoy on tomorrow evening at 7.30pm in the Youth Centre awarded musicians and indeed singers will perform at the event you can contact for my concerto at gmail.com for further info and Baron Hassett Community Development Association they're holding a fundraising social dance and that's on in the Marion Hall in Ballonhasic tomorrow evening music is by C and M Sound dancing from 9.45pm and Clonakilty Community Resource Centre they're hosting a coffee morning fundraiser that's running from 9am to 1pm on this coming Sunday January the 6th in the local parish centre in Clonakilty and McCroom Animal Ploughing Match that's going to be held on the lands of the Healy family in Carrick in Coachford that's on this coming Sunday from 11.30am results that evening in Cool Cower House in McCroom from 9pm and you can register before 2pm on January the 5th you do that call 087 282 for the annual McCroom ploughing match Court today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 1850-333-103 and just on the smartphones and people spending too much time on the smartphone and not conversing uh, with their own friends or their own family, uh, something a lot of people came across over the Christmas period and something that has been raised in the Oireachtas Committee over the next while. Well, on this, and we spoke with Senator Tim Lumbert, who is raising that because he is part of the Oireachtas Committee for Communications uh, on uh, what we were talking about, Eileen on text. And this is a sums it up really on what Eileen heard from this conversation she felt it was so sad that these people have no life uh, she went along to Nockferna Hill in Ballangarry in County Limerick on New Year's Day and we met so many people who had time to stop and talk to us and take in the fantastic view from the top of the hill on our way down we called into the very popular rambling house where we had people from near and far of all ages playing music singing storytelling and recitation and we all had the most enjoyable day and evening and night so uh, thanks to Pat O'Donovan who made it all happen and the big thing was not a mobile phone on site says Eileen everybody talking to each other and everybody playing music it was great Eileen thank you for your text to 0862103103 and that's what 
I suppose that they're trying to get across the fact that we're known here for that very type of thing you speak about, Aileen, the, the rambling house, uh, the screeks, the round the fire sites, all of those over the years really enhanced the tourism sector and the hospitality sector in this country. They're now afraid that, that will go if more and more people are on their phones rather than doing what you did there, Eileen. Thank you for your thanks. And it's something totally different. And this is to do regarding doctors. And we spoke with uh, Dr. Nick yesterday and the worry that a lot of doctors have as many GPs retire, we could be left without a lot of local GP services in so many parts of this county of Cork, not in mind the country. Dan on text saying, it's not ridiculous that we are losing doctors and nurses whom we have paid to train due to low pay. While the hate is jammed with new management levels on between 100k and 250k a year that do nothing. I can then understand why doctors and nurses who are, you know, maybe some disagree, but a lot of people would say they're underpaid for the hours they work and the overtime they have to work. And a lot of people don't get paid the overtime depending on what contract you're on. So you can see, and outside of the money side of things, the quality of life, because when the money side of things came up yesterday on the show, Dr. Nick said that was one of the fourth or fifth things doctors and nurses were looking for. The big thing was quality of life. They wanted to have a quality of life where they could start a family, uh, settle down. They can't do that if you're working more or less 24-7. And that's why some choose urban areas because they know there's more support there rather than rural areas. And why some go abroad because of the quality of life uh, that they are looking for outside of the whole money aspect of it is the quality of life is a big thing today uh, for young doctors and indeed young nurses uh, Dan says I say appoint John Crown or Michael O'Keefe to oversee uh, the reorganisation of our health service this for me would be the only answer says Dan on text and uh, thank you Dan for that 0862103103 for texts and indeed WhatsApp on something totally different now, I don't know if many of you came across bad driving over Christmas, but a lot of our listeners did and they were emailing us over the Christmas period with regards to bad driving. Here's one email uh, from Joe. Now, Joe doesn't say where she's from or what road this is, but this could be any road in any part of Cork. So here is Joe's story uh, over the Christmas. And Joe was driving uh, at one point over the Christmas period and she was on a main road in Cork where the speed limit was 100k. However, while driving along the road behind five cars, the car in front was only going 40k. The first car passed out safe, while the other three cars all passed out at different times, but did so dangerously. One passed out on a bump on the road where you could not see what's coming ahead. The other car passed out on a turn on the road with the other car passing out while there was an oncoming car approaching. This car had to swerve in near the ditch and had to flash the lights. All these drivers were more than likely frustrated with the slow driver that they took all these risks. These risks could have cost lives. They could have hit oncoming cars or the cars could have collided hitting us. It was careless driving, but the blame must go on the slow driver who was making those drivers turn to this behaviour. I feel as much as there should be a penalty points for fast drivers, but there should also be a similar penalty point system for slow drivers, as these can lead to dangerous accidents due to drivers becoming frustrated. Slow drivers can lead to as much danger Joe's feels 
as fast drivers especially after what Joe witnessed over the Christmas period uh, Joe an email to jp at c103.ie and do you agree with Joe with that she feels that some type of penalty point system should be brought in for slow drivers who are driving uh, she feels 30 or 40k on a 100k road but because of the slow nature of this particular car those behind who Joe says weren't breaking the speed limit were probably only travelling uh, obviously they were only travelling 30 or 40k because of that driver but would it be only going 80k uh, or 90k but even though the road was 100k she felt most drivers before they met this car were doing 80 or 90k Joe feels they got so frustrated that they led to passing out in dangerous situations their behaviour drove or changed their driving behaviour changed because of this particular slow driver so do you agree with Joe that slow drivers should receive penalty points as much as fast drivers on our roads let us know uh, call Bernie 1850 text or WhatsApp 0862103103 a lot of calls we got like that over the Christmas period but Joe summing it up there on her email and then Frankie from Bantier says hi JP it blows my mind the amount of drivers who drive in these dull and overcast days with no lights on in their cars I think Shane Ross should make it compulsory for people to drive with their lights on says Frankie from Bantier to your good point Frankie and especially if you are at a junction and you're leaving the particular junction onto a main road and there's cars coming towards you with lights on and then there's one with no lights on but because he's no lights on for a split second you might think there's nothing coming towards you and that could lead to a very serious accident if you're pulling out from a a secondary route onto a main road so Frank you're right with that I know a lot of newer vehicles have lights that automatically light up not all of them have but some of them have but then older vehicles don't so there should be some law in there maybe to have lights on compulsory but again newer cars do have that in place uh, thank you for your email some emails in regarding driver behaviour over the Christmas period what did you notice are you noticing uh, driver behaviour de- not decreasing but just people getting worse on the roads when it comes to driving that situation a slow driver my situation yesterday a person passing out five cars at a junction and a, and a guy easily could have pulled out in front of us because a truck in front of us who was going to speed limit he was slowing down to go in and turn off for Kenturk he was going towards Kenturk one of the cars behind us decided to pass out five cars in a row pass out the truck with a junction ahead only for the driver at the junction who was pulling out and I presume that driver was going left towards Mallow maybe they were going right towards Kerry but I presume left towards Mallow only for them staying in place because with a truck indicating to go into your junction you will pull out if you're going uh, left goes, you know, if you're heading that way to, towards Mallow on that particular Clarny to Mallow Road, you will pull out because the truck is slowing down. There's room to do that. Uh, but it could have been a, a different situation because a little did that person know there was a car coming at the other side of the truck, passing out five cars and the truck. There easily could have been a head on collision, or if that person was turning towards Kerry. Now, you probably wouldn't do that with the truck coming towards you but the truck was going slow enough you you know some drivers might chance that imagine pulling out on the road and next thing you're seeing a car on coming towards you it could have been a different situation there so people are noticing driver behaviour changing and noticing more bad drivers on a road with the increase in traffic have you noticed that let us know you can text or whatsapp 0862103103 and Don says I was in a village yesterday in Cork Don doesn't want to name the village but he said a driver drove out he was let out by another driver but then instead of stopping halfway in the middle of the road to trek oncoming traffic he drove on into another lane straight out in front of a car the car braked the driver continued on 
and the car that braked was stopped for a good few seconds afterwards. I presume, Don says, in dismay of what just happened. Anyhow, if you've come across that, let us know. Uh, text or WhatsApp 86 Dan on text saying, as a follow-up to your recent conversations on road safety and the standards of driving, I just noticed that our much-loved slurry spreaders are back on the roads this morning. It might be worth reminding drivers to be extra cautious on back roads and indeed on main roads as well with the arrival of dirt and loose stones on the roads and muck as well I suppose after those the slurry tanks and slurry spreaders thank you Dan for that on WhatsApp your pet questions are welcome Jane is along shortly Jane Pickett from the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket if you have a question uh, for Jane pet in your household might be ill or you're looking for some advice uh, get in contact with us you can text on WhatsApp 86 or you can call Bernie 1850 
It's Paul Young at C103 Thursday afternoon so that means it's time for vet questions and pet questions to our vet Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket if you have a question get it into us now 1850-333-103 text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 uh, Earlier we were speaking about the property tax how people felt that it hasn't delivered when we mentioned the carbon tax this morning we given back to households people are questioning that when the property tax hasn't delivered for them and uh, one t- WhatsApp in from Michael and Castletown Bear mentioning that a lot of the money goes to administration first within the council and then maybe the roads or the services later. Uh, a lot of people in agreeing with Michael. A WhatsApp here saying, yes, Michael from Castletown Bear is right. Our roads are a disgrace with potholes and briars. You have to be a fantastic driver to miss some of them. A forgotten place we are here in Cork, says that texter. And on Joe's email regarding the slow driver she came across that made other drivers pass out this driver doing 30, 40k on a 100k road and leaving drivers behind getting frustrated I suppose and passing out this particular driver on dangerous situations on bins on the road oncoming cars bumps on the road not able to see in front of them uh, Mary saying yes I totally agree with Joe you have two extremes when it comes to drivers in our country regarding slow drivers and fast drivers I suppose that's how do you deal with both of them is the big thing and another texter saying is it not speed that is killing people yeah, you're right. Speed is killing people on our roads. Uh, but also from Joe's experience on that particular front and, and that incident, speed was one of the killers. It was slow speed. It was someone that should be going faster than what they were on the road, according to Joe. She felt the drivers were behind or uh, that she was in in row with while driving along the road. Uh, and that convoy is the wrong word because they weren't in convoy. But if you know what I mean, there were five cars or so in a row. And... The car in front was going so slow that those drivers changed behaviour and passed out. Before they met that car, they were all doing 80, 90k. So they weren't speeding, but that actual driver got them so frustrated. uh, They did turn to a different type of driving style that maybe they usually do. But you're right, speed does kill on the road. But slow driving is also uh, a, a bigger uh, not a bigger incident but if we get so many calls about slow drivers it's, it frustrates drivers and I think it just changes their behaviour and it can lead to people being killed in the roads maybe not as much as speed uh, but depending on where you are it, it probably has unfortunately left somebody in a situation where they've lost a loved one because they are chancing and trying to pass out a slow driver so you are right when you're saying speed does kill people but also in this instance when you read Joe's email you can see how someone could have been killed as well uh, from that particular driver because people are getting frustrated Tim says JP slow drivers pay tax and insurance and don't go around killing people says Tim um, thank you for your text Tim on that again Joe's email I suppose is showing the frustration that slow drivers can bring or can lead to other drivers taking chances and passing them out anyhow people have mixed views when it comes to slow driving uh, and when Joe mentions slow driving by the way she she's on about 30, 20, 40k on a main 100k route that was the slow driving she was on about uh, your viewers are welcome on that people have mixed views regarding slow drivers and indeed fast drivers and uh, yeah I mean a lot of people are texting and saying speed kills we, we we agree with you speed does kill but Joe is just making her point of what she saw on the roads over Christmas and how that one driver frustrated people and there could have been a death because 
of how people change when they get frustrated behind the wheel of a car. Anyhow, uh, thank you for your calls and texts on that. A lot of different reaction when it comes to slow and fast drivers. If you have more views on that, email us across the afternoon, jp at c103.ie. But it's pet advice next from Jane, who joins us. If you have a question, get in contact with us. Call Bernie 1850 333 103. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 2103 103. And Jane Pickett joins us from the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. Uh, good afternoon to you, Jane, and Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year. You got over the Christmas and New Year's okay? Oh, it was great. Yeah. It was really nice. A nice break, so I can't complain. That's good. And yeah. I'm back into it now again yes. for an, another year. <laughs> but a lot of questions in uh, over the Christmas period and indeed today. So if you have a question, uh, ring Bernie, 1850-333-103. And one in from Antoinette in Bandon. She has a German Shepherd uh, dog. Now, it's about a week ago... Uh, um, it hasn't barked at all. I presume she only got the dog about a week ago and the dog hasn't barked. But the dog's about 18 months old. So she's wondering, is it because mm-hmm. she's got the dog a week? Is it unusual surroundings? Is it to do with the new home? What advice could you offer her? Well, it's an interesting one, really. It could be a number of things. It could just be that for this particular dog, behaviourally, maybe it's never really kind of learn to bark in certain situations maybe it doesn't feel comfortable enough in its current home yet to kind of be barking or playing or engaging in those kind of normal dog behaviors um so it could be in part because there's been a change of environment and something has changed there and it doesn't feel quite secure enough to be barking and playing at the moment um sometimes it can just be behavioral in the sense of that dog may never have kind of it may not have grown up with other dogs and get and engaged in barking and playing so that might not be something that it's kind of used to and is part of its behaviour and personality so it might just not vocalise very much and that may be normal for that little dog uh, what I would say is very occasionally there can be things that can stop barking as a medical problem um, but that would normally be at a far far older dog so sometimes we can get problems in the voice box um, where the voice box just doesn't move properly but that would normally be something we'd see in a far far older dog and it's normally something that it wouldn't stop barking but the barking noise would change but I think in an 18 month old dog it's very very unlikely altogether I think as long as your dog is happy in himself bright alert and is breathing normally and very settled I think it's most likely behavioural or may just be because he doesn't feel quite comfortable enough in his home yet yeah and maybe eventually you would hope the dog would bark maybe they get more comfortable and get more settled in it may do I think a as I say it may just be because it's been an upheaval in environment yeah. with time we might settle and kind of take on that guard dog personality a little bit more um, but to be honest everybody's different it's like mm. ourselves some are a little bit more kind of defensive than others some may not feel the need to bark as much it's kind of like having a quiet person and a very loud person there is a kind of a spectrum of normal Okay well hopefully that helps uh, Antoinette there in band and Noreen and Blarney uh, she has a 13 year old lab cross suffers a lot with arthritis now she's on 100 milligrams of Rimadyl once a day and they have tried everything else to injections into the joints the tramadol x-rays etc they're now trying CBD oil for dogs didn't know that was out there but mm. it is obviously uh, and what she wants to know is should she now wean her off the Rimadyl or can't she just stop it altogether I think I wouldn't 
be in favor of weaning down the Rimadyl, to be honest. Um, I think if your dog is getting any bit of relief at all from being on the Rimadyl, so Rimadyl is um, one brand of non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. Um, so there's many other many other ones available. Now, what I would say is I wouldn't advise weaning it down if we're getting any relief at all from the Rimadyl. And I think you'd be surprised. It may not be cutting the mustard entirely, but it might be doing something in the background and settling down that pain of the osteoarthritis a little bit. I wouldn't be in favour of stopping it because we know that non-steroidal anti-inflammatories work. There's a big evidence base behind the fact that they do reduce pain in our osteoarthritis patients. Whereas the other, let's say, alternative therapies, the the oil that we've started using recently, it's not something I've come into contact with myself personally. But as far as I'm aware, the evidence base for use in dogs and cats is not kind of quite as robust as it would be for the normal medicines that have been kind of licensed and unused and we know are very safe. I wouldn't be in favour of stopping the Rimadyl, but it does sound like your dog might need a little bit of additional help. Now, there are additional supplements that you can use. Uh, for example, some people use chondroitin and glucosamine, very much like we do in humans. Um, and indeed, some kinds of omega oils can help a little bit. And there is a little bit of evidence behind that. I think it's important to think as well about making sure that with your tablets, if you are continuing to give the Rimadyl, you're on the button with giving it on time every day, making sure it's being administered right. And it's probably worth getting your dog reweighed as well, just to make sure that the dose is appropriate for his weight at this point in time, just to make sure you're getting the most benefit out of it. So I think, yeah, making sure you're giving it on time, making sure it's the right dose, but maybe have a chat with your vet about the patterns of pain that you're seeing in your dog and how that's manifesting. I know it's, you, it sounds like you've done really well in trying a, a few different things. So trying injections into the joints, for example, other medications, there are numerous avenues that we can kind of pursue for our osteoarthritis dogs to make them a lot more comfortable I think that's the that's the aim of the game we want their quality of life to be really good so have a chat to your vet I think would be my advice Okay hopefully that helps you there Noreen in Blarney uh, just a bit of help here for a person in Mallow they are missing a cream coloured lurcher greyhound from the Goose Hill area of Mallow they feel the fireworks scared her and she ran away so it's a rescue dog she is microchipped if anybody has information they can call them on 086 193 9880 common enough around Halloween mm. and this time of the year New York New Year's Day and New Year's Night of course the fireworks Very so it does so. scare animals uh, Darren in Little Island has a cat his cat has fur falling off his tail now he doesn't know why this is the cat's in good form is eating okay but the fur just on the tail is falling off any reason for this? Hmm. It could be a few things so sometimes if it is just an isolated little spot sometimes it can be associated with trauma for example like getting the tail stuck in things um, sometimes that can just damage the surface of the skin and, and cause the hair to fall out and that would be a reasonably common thing we would see that would lead to hair falling out on the tail be it like a catching it within a door or having some kind of accident like that that might have gone unknown to yourself but the cat might have secretly had this traumatic event um if they seem really well in themselves and the tail is moving normally um then it could be that there's a problem with the skin and it might just be they might be itching or scratching and to be honest the tail is an easy place for them to get to if they're going to reach somewhere so I think in cats particularly we see them taking the easiest option to kind of vent their itching and scratching so if you think about cats they're very flexible so they can reach their belly really easily so a lot of the time we see them itching and scratching and licking at their belly they can also reach their tail really easily so I would wonder if there's any other patches elsewhere on the body um, it will be worth thinking about whether it was an underlying itch that was causing the problem if so it could be a few things 
I think the most common by far and away will be a little parasite infection, the most common of which will be fleas. Um, we can have other mites and lice that would be a little bit rarer, but in, in cats, certainly fleas would be the most common. And I think my first port of call in that case would definitely be giving a, a spot on or a tablet flea and mite and lice preventative. And you can get those either from your vet or your pharmacist, etc. Now, what I would say is if, if it continues or if you notice itching elsewhere, it could be that there might be a little infection on the skin or sometimes we can just get little little patches, what we call hot spots, where it's kind of an itching, scratching cycle. We know ourselves when we get a little wound and we scratch it and it gets scratchier and scratchier and itchier and it kind of perpetuates this cycle of um, kind of self-trauma in a sense. So if that's happening with the tail, I would definitely say it would be advisable to go to your vet because we need to break that itch scratch cycle if that is the case and make your cat comfortable. Um, so there are two options depending on depending on what may have happened and whether there's itching elsewhere. But I think it would definitely warrant if it's not, let's say, improving very much so in the next few days, I would say it's definitely warrants a trip to your vet to have a little check. OK, and very briefly, Michael is in Yall. His Labrador is to 10 years old, male, neutral dog, but uh, not having a great time eating at the moment. He used to have a big appetite, not eating anymore. Anything he should be worried about there? So it could be, I suppose, there's two broad areas. It could be something physical, like a, a tooth problem they're just simply sore eating and it's like us when we have a toothache we don't really want to eat or certainly not hard things um so i think it will be worth checking if there's any problem with the teeth so visit your vet is kind of needed for that to do a full mouth examination but to be honest as a slightly older dog at this point there are a numerous number of things that could be causing problems internally that we might not see from the outside so i would visit your vet they may well suggest some kind of blood tests to screen for problems Okay, Jane, well, thank you for that. We'll chat to you again next week. Jane Pickett there of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. Thanks for answering those questions this afternoon. That's it from us. A lot of comments in on driving on our roads, frustrated drivers. Marion Clarney says uh, those frustrated drivers who were not able to cope with driving behind a slow vehicle, well, then they should not be on the road. A lot of people similar. We'll get back to those comments tomorrow from 10. Have a good afternoon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.